Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three Ps, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. I want to talk today about uh, recruiting. I mean, it is in the headlines of every paper. Most businesses that I've talked to are struggling in terms of hiring, and they might even have people on board on the team, and maybe this is you. We just did a recent survey with some entrepreneurs that we're working with, and 90% of them have employees that they know need to go but they're afraid to let them go because they're afraid they're not going to have a warm body to replace them. So it's interesting. And, you know, we'll talk about this. So if you have, you know, three or more employees who are not family members, maybe this is the boat that you're in. And it's really, really important that as you scale and grow your business, the interesting thing is that as you scale and grow, you typically do that with hiring more employees. And it gets to be more of a challenge of hiring and recruiting what we like to call five-star employees or A players, the bigger that you get at a certain stage. So, you know, once you're hitting like 10, 15, 20 employees, it sort of gets a little bit harder because you're having to find more people at the same time. And we've talked about having to cast a really wide net to get employees. But what's interesting, again, as you're starting to get into the 10 plus, 15 plus employees, is that now payroll is likely the largest expense on your income statement or your profit and loss report. Your salaries and wages is going to be, as you scale and grow, typically your largest expense. And so it's really important because what is it? You know, the only two ways to increase your profitability are to increase margin and decrease expenses. So if your payroll and salaries and wages is probably what it's labeled on your income statement, if salary and wages are too high and inefficient, I mean, that's what's killing your profitability. And remember, we talk about this and I mean, Steve Jobs and most of the Fortune 500 business leaders out there who have wildly profitable companies attest to this too, that, you know, A players, five-star employees run circles around B and C players or 
average ho-hum employees. So you really, really want to, at this stage, and even if you're looking at hiring your first employee, don't settle. It is so, so important that you understand what kind of role you're looking for and you really define what the success metrics are for that role. And then you recruit the person that has the aptitude, has the skill set, has the desire to meet or better yet exceed those performance and success metrics that you have designed for the business. You don't want to settle for the average or ho-hum employee because number one, that's just going to make more work for you if they're not pulling their weight. Typically as an owner, what do we do? We get sucked back to working in the business and covering for those lackluster average ho-hum employees who are really not picking up the ball and running with it down the field. So it's super, super important. I know that the headlines out there are saying, oh, the labor market sucks. But you know what? You're not having to hire a thousand people. You're not having to hire 5,000 people like some of these large corporations are actually hiring right now. You're only having to hire one, two, three, four. Actually, in my case, I'm having to hire six people right now for our Carmel, Indiana office, but I'm not going to settle. And it's really, really important that you set that expectation and you are the one that can't settle. So let's talk about a few things and let's talk about kind of what's going on in our business in Indiana. So as I mentioned, we are currently recruiting for six claims examiners in our Carmel, Indiana office. So the reason why we're having to recruit is a combination of attrition and individuals getting promoted to the client side. So, I mean, obviously it's great. We've did a great job of hiring claims examiners who've been with us for, in some cases, four or five years. And the prime contractor, we're the subcontractor, the prime contractor wants to move them onto their side and move them up in the organization. They're going to get significant pay raises, more responsibility, more exciting professional development for them. So that's awesome. And that's great. So all good for that. Um, We do get a stipend when they do do that. So that's okay too. And then we are replacing two individuals who have recently left our organization. One of those individuals, shout out to Abby. I hope you're still listening to the podcast. So Abby actually was someone that we hired back in March of this year. And she has had some side hustles that she started during COVID uh, before she started working for us. And they have really taken off. And she actually um, said, you know, I listened to your podcast. I was like, what? How did you know I had a podcast? She uh, said that when, you know, I set up the original interview with her, she checked me out on LinkedIn and saw that I had the podcast and started listening to it since she was, you know, dabbling in in entrepreneurship and had a couple of side hustles. So um, awesome for Abby. And I guess a testimonial to this uh, podcast But uh, her side hustles, and especially one, has really, really taken off. And she has actually been able to make more than enough money in that side hustle to cover what was her salary with us, plus have money to hire additional employees full-time for her. So she is really kicking it, and we are so proud of her. Sad to see her go, but excited that um, she is part of Profit First Nation and is out there recruiting and hiring her own employees. And then interestingly, our second new hire from March, who we are replacing, 
is leaving the organization. And what's interesting about this individual is that they uh, have an actuarial science degree, but a position where they're just sitting at a desk all day long in front of a computer is just really not their cup of tea. They need a little bit more excitement, um, a little bit more variety in their day. And the fact that we are now going to be permanently remote and not having the office environment is just something that is actually not going to be their cup of tea anymore and such. So what's interesting about that is I've looked, okay, like what did I, this is unusual that we would have people that would be with us for such short tenures. So number one, Profit First Nation is not primary on my LinkedIn profile anymore because uh, (laughs) we see what happened with that one. Um, Again, love you, Abby. And uh, the second thing that I'm looking at is that what was interesting about these hires that we did in March is it sort of went outside of our normal ideal candidate. Our typically ideal candidate has been a recent college graduate where their position with us as a claims examiner is their first job, their first professional experience. And that has worked really well for us. This is an entry-level position. And you know them coming in and typically not having any sort of professional like office type experience allows us to you know, really kind of set the expectations um, of what the quote real world is like and, uh, you know, kind of train them our way and get them on board. And it typically works out well. What was interesting about these hires that we had in March who are leaving our company is that they did well in their position. I mean, this was not any performance issues. They were meeting and exceeding the success metrics and the, um, performance requirements, no problem at all, but they were not recent college graduates. They were college graduates who had three, four, five years of other professional experience under them. And what was interesting about that is that, um, especially the individual who is leaving our organization because, you know, they had difficulty just sitting at a desk all day long and, you know, working on a computer and working through claims is that both of them had positions that they were relatively active in, meaning that they actually were in the long-term care industry and they were working at facilities. So, you know, they were on their feet. They had a lot of variety going on. It was almost like, you know, a real office environment And that's something obviously that we weren't able to give to them. And so I'm like, okay, you know, this, this was something. And why, why, Danielle? Well, then why did you deviate from your, you know, prior, I don't know how many years of, you know, hiring recent college graduates? I'm glad you asked. Well, when we started this recruitment process, we actually started in January of this year. And um, typically it takes about, six weeks for us to, you know, rev up that recruitment engine. Um, We like to make an offer three weeks before the start date so that they can give a two-week proper notice if they are currently employed in some capacity. And we don't like to make an offer too soon. We do like have to work towards a specific everyone starting on the same date for training type of thing. But when we started recruiting in January, we actually had to like push a bit 
by a couple more weeks because we were not getting the applicants. We were not getting the recent college graduates. And at this time, I was exclusively recruiting in Indiana because there was a chance maybe we were going to come back into the office and need people to live within a 30-mile radius of our Carmel, Indiana office. But it was crickets. We got zero, zero recent college graduates. And I even had done the Handshake, which is a popular platform that a lot of the career centers at different universities across the country use. A lot of the Indiana schools that we've hired people from in the past are on that platform. And so uh, we did that. Zero. Zero applicants. So, you know, you could say maybe I got a little desperate, but I thought, well, what, what's the harm? What's the foul? These people actually, it was kind of interesting to me. Well, they have long-term care experience. They understand people who are using their long-term care benefits literally in real time in their position and such. But again, you know, like it, it didn't work out. And, uh, you know, I think that they maybe had like a different understanding and a different level of empathy since they, you know, could picture probably countless individuals um, who would maybe be like the beneficiaries that they were processing claims for us for. But I'm going back. So we're currently recruiting now. And I'm going back to that recent college graduate and not compromising anymore. You know, I tried an experiment and it's like, okay, why didn't this work? And look at it and then go back. So the interesting thing is that um, actually one of the individuals who is leaving because you know, the the sitting at a computer all day long, they had the actuarial science degree. They have uh, recommended two individuals to uh, join our organization. And they were in contact with me months ago about like, hey, when are we hiring again? When are we hiring again? And I said, well, you know, we hire maybe once or twice a year. I'll let you know. And so um, they were really persistent with me on wanting that because they felt that they knew some people that would be great for the position. And obviously someone who is doing the position really understands it. And so they have referred a couple of candidates and I've done initial interviews with these candidates and we're moving them on to the second interview phase. But what was interesting, I said to them was like, hey, you know, they're leaving the organization. So what, what do you think about the fact that they're recommending you for a job that they're actually leaving? And it was funny because both of them said, oh, because it's the focus. <laughs> um, so that's interesting. So now what I'm doing too, is I'm looking back at our preview assessment that we give all candidates. And now I'm looking at this individual's preview assessment to see was there something in there that I that I missed or I didn't see or I haven't looked at before from a perspective of focus. So, you know, the cool thing about all of this stuff, and even when you've implemented Profit First, it's an iterative process. You're constantly tweaking it. You're constantly trying to make it better. And just like Profit First, you know, you're making tweaks, you're making adjustments to your current allocation percentages. And, you know, you're really trying to dial in right how, where can I decrease expenses? Oh, I can dial this expense down. I can dial this expense down by 20% and this expense by 5%. Oh, and then maybe we can increase our margin here, or maybe we can bundle some items and then charge, you know, a, a, a better price for that as well. So again, an iterative process with my recruiting and hiring is looking at, okay, what's been working? What hasn't been working? What can I tweak? What can I make better? 
And so that's a little background there on that. And because it is so important, especially when you consider that having the right people on board is a return on payroll. So you know, if you've got one five-star employee or a player, that one person does the job typically of two or three B, C, three-star, two-star, one-star employees. But the funny thing is, is that you don't pay a five-star employee more. In fact, trying to pay someone um, who's an average or ho-hum performer and increasing their salary, thinking you're going to get better performance out of them is probably the biggest misnomer that many entrepreneurs kind of fall into and think, okay, well, you know, they're making $35,000 a year. Maybe if I bump them up to $50,000, they're really like rocking out and stuff. And I mean, that like seldom to never happens. So, you know, what you need to do is you need to set your salary and your rate for like the position in the market. And, you know, you would pay that same rate to a five-star employee as you would a three or two-star employee, because that doesn't really matter. It's the aptitude. It's, you know, the qualities of the individual that really dictate and understand whether they'll be a five-star employee. And then we've talked about this too. You know, remember you want a return on the payroll. So you want someone to produce a 4X of what they're costing you in terms of their salary and wages. So if you've got an individual who you're paying $50,000 a year to, you want to make sure that they are you know, producing a $200,000 return on that $50,000 investment. And there's different ways that you can look at that but you know, as the owner, it's your job to own your financials, your job to own that metric of return on payroll and making sure that you know what you're hired the individual to do is actually what they're doing and hold them accountable and have outlined what the success metrics are for that role and what success in that role looks like by using numbers. <laughs> actual numbers. You know, what does success look like? Does someone need to do 20 a day or do they need to do 200 a day? Um, And how many are they doing actually? Are they doing 15 when you need them to do 20? You need to make sure that if you need them to do 20 a day, that you've got someone who is actually producing and doing 20 per day, not doing 5, 10, or you don't even know what they're doing per day. All right? And this is, my friends, probably the, as you scale and grow, the most important aspect that you should be focused on in your business. In fact, several people, um, Dave Ramsey says that, you know, whatever you're spending your time on in terms of recruiting and hiring, quadruple it. My friend Kelly Roach has said the same thing, especially for businesses that are scaling and growing past that $1 million, $2 million, $3 million range and trying to get to the $5, $10 million range the number one thing that you should be focused on right now is recruiting and hiring because this is like that make it or break it stage. Once you're at this stage of your business and you're adding to your employee count at a, you know, more significant clip as you scale and grow, you know, you've already done all all of the McCallivers up to this point. You know, you've done the pumpkin plan to get your business um, positioned and you have implemented profit first as your cash management system. And hopefully you have um, completed run like clockwork. So you have the systems and processes in place 
that the business can run like clockwork because then that primes you now to really focus on the recruiting and hiring because you can plug the people in. They know what they need to do. You have the processes and systems designed and outlined and defined the success metrics for that. So obviously I've talked about this and I'll continue to talk about this, but Mike and I are collaborating on his next next book, which will be all in. And you know, it's about how to make sure that you are recruiting, hiring, and retaining five-star employees who essentially act like owners in the business and you know, pick up the ball, know what to do with it, and they run towards that goal line. So thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Please remember that there are bookkeepers, accountants, and coaches in this world with the heart of a teacher ready to serve you and your business with their certified profit-first knowledge, skills, and experience. Just visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on Connect to connect with one of my fellow certified Profit First professional peeps. And don't forget, we do have visual recaps of the episodes and you can opt in to have those texted and or emailed to you weekly when a new episode drops. So you'll just go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on Resources. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. 